Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. Welcome to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Thank you for joining the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast. My name is Christine and I'm an alcoholic. Today, I want to thank um, Five Star Painting for sponsoring this episode. Cindy Preisel and her crew are absolutely amazing. If you're in the Central Texas area and you need any uh, painting needs whatsoever, they painted the outside of my house and it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and they do an amazing job. So Five Star Painting, thank you for supporting those of us in recovery. Um, today... I have my sister friend on here with me, Miss Courtney. Um, um, I've known Courtney uh, here local um, for uh, going on a year now. Yeah. Um, you just celebrated a year sober. Well, it's Monday. Oh, is it? Oh, the 11th. It's the 11th. Okay, got so it. So it'll got be it. Monday. Yep. So, God Sept- willing. September I'm 11th, there. 2022 is yeah. your sobriety day. And your drug of choice? Alcohol. Alcohol, yeah. right, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, uh, you know, I know that it's um, debatable at times. People get a little fussy. Yes, alcohol is a drug. Mind-altering is mind-altering. So, wow. we're just going to leave that at that. But Courtney has agreed to come in and sit down with me because I've never heard your story. Oh, my gosh. Um, we've been in the recovery rooms together. Yeah. Um, but as far as full on your story yeah I'm excited to hear um and all we do is we just share our experience strength and hope with that person who's still you know still suffering so that they can recognize some of some of themselves in our stories so I'm just gonna let you have it tell me what it was like what happened and what you're like now thanks for having me you're welcome I feel very humbled to be there actually I um have really taken these opportunities with a yes and um, have felt like I've gotten more out of them since, more so than I, I think anybody else gets. I think it, it just helps me so much. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. But I, I'll start with my story. I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up in Columbia, Missouri, uh, to a real Christian family. Um, God was never really an issue in my life, I didn't think. I grew up in the, in the church and um, have the mom and dad and a brother that I was super close with that's 18 months younger than I am. And we kind of just were always the family. I just always felt like we looked good, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So, yep. I mean, and I and I can vividly remember thinking, I mean, my dad and my brother were extremely tall, like six, 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 seven-ish and basketball players and all this stuff. And, and you know, back in the day where mom still wore the pumps to school and, mm-hmm. and dad wore the suit and traveled, you know, so... I can actually remember on a Sunday morning looking over at them at one point and thinking, I mean, my family looks good. Like, we look. Like, this is what it looks like. And that's kind of all I knew. Um, Growing up in the Midwest, not really a Bible belt. So Mm -hmm. I was raised in a pretty traditional Southern Baptist church, which was great. And and nothing about church was ever really negative to me. Uh, 
I just never realized that once I moved down to Texas, being in the Bible Belt, how much more of like this kind of cultural Christianity thing was going on. But um, yeah, I mean, grew up great childhood in high school. I mean, high school years were great. And like I said, was really close to my brother. We never argued or anything. And we were 18 months apart. And I remember trips and, and have good parents, still have great parents right. and would do anything for us. And so I don't have like that, just that thing, you know, right. I, I didn't the have big that. trauma. Yeah. The big, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that everybody's looking for. And, and, and one thing I always kind of felt myself doing over the years was, was making sure I was checking off the boxes. I was the oldest one, right? So high school in time, check. I started Baylor University, check. Grad school, check. You know, just all the things I felt like I needed to do. And I don't know necessarily that I was being told to do them as much as I just felt like that was kind of like the older child, what we did. My dad traveled a lot with his job. Um, I mean, a lot, weeks and stuff. But I never felt like they weren't at things, you know. But I do remember during the week, I mean, this is pre-cell phone, like, going to the refrigerator to see the index card that his secretary had left, like which hotel he's uh, in, yeah. and how I could call him in what room and all that. But I always felt like he was accessible and available. Um, never felt like they missed any of our functions and stuff. We're always at everything. So um, that was just all good. I went through. I'm a speech pathologist and graduated from Baylor. Uh, love, love what I do, which I'm really blessed to love what I do even mm-hmm. 20-something years later. And uh, I got married, and I met a man that had two younger children, mm-hmm. which I always say on the list of things you want and don't want in your life, you don't ever put, like, I want this kind of guy or that. You know, you don't ever put the guy that's had the two kids before. Right. Because it's just not even on your radar. I'm not sure I even so much as really, besides my best friend who's like a sister that had divorced parents, I don't really even know that growing up. Mm. Like. I grew up in a town that was kind of just didn't know it, didn't really have it in the family anywhere. So kind of entering into this messy situation with these two kids that were um, born younger to my husband and and every stress that comes with it that you can imagine. Sure, you a know, blended family. Uh-huh, or, well, yeah. not even a blended family. Yeah, really. No, I get it. But, you know, I got them when they were they were like three and five. So they've really, I'm still close with them. They, I mean, extremely close and they still live around and, um, but the but the daughter had special needs, which is how I kind of met my husband, and she uh, is deaf and epileptic and some other things, mentally retarded. So, I she was actually one of the first patients I ever had at Baylor. Oh. That was a cochlear implant patient. It was one of their first. It. So it's kind of a last minute schedule change. And Dad always brought her. I actually didn't even see my husband on the first time he brought her. There were so many people there to see the new cochlear implant. So wow. you know, Taryn's disability was what it was, but it was also it, it still is such a game changer with our family. I mean, it really makes you like sit back because she loves everything and she's happy and she's just so content being around people. And I don't feel like I ever could find that contentment. Right. You know, like it was always trying to be a little bit better, trying to wear the little bit of the best things, caring what people um, thought about me. And I've seen over the years, I've really noticed that I did have some control issues and some fear of man issues and some people pleasing and some, some defects that have kind of bubbled up over the years. But I think with any stress that a marriage brings, it kind of exacerbates it. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I always kind of knew in college that I partied a little bit different. Like, 
I was, we were all kind of crazy. I mean, my first semester at Baylor, I didn't drink or do anything, and I was homesick and all this, and, and I didn't think people at Baylor drink until I realized that they do. Right. And then was off to the races. <laughs> and, wrong. Yeah, wrong. They do. And, you know, and it wasn't even like, I don't feel like I didn't have that kind of first moment where I ever had alcohol and was like, oh, yeah, like I'm going back right. to that again. Right. But I think it was like on a double date and I might have had like a Zima or a couple you remember that mm-hmm. Zima drink oh, yes that helped me <laughs> so I think it was like a couple of Zimas and I remember feeling like oh I don't feel right I feel a little mind altering uh let's stop there but I mean I would have stints of you know in college I mean studying and focusing but it always seemed like the party I was always kind of the last one going or the last one standing or would look for people that would want to like, let's go one more place or let's do one more. It was just a little bit extra. It was like maybe the 40th birthday that I go to at the winery, but I'm the one that ends up in the rosebud shrubs (laughs) at the end of the night. And, uh, you know, it's like rosebush one, Courtney Mm -hmm. zero. It was just Mm -hmm. all those kind of things. So yeah, I definitely think, but not even to the point where I'd really even have anybody come up and say, girl, slow it down, or you don't need to know. I did my clinicals and my externship in Baylor, uh, in Dallas, I'm sorry. And that was just kind of the young professionals, what you did after work. I mean, head up to a happy hour and then get to bed late, be exhausted when you wake up in the morning, say you're not going to go do that again because you're tired. And do it all over again. And then you do it, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's the whole thing. So, Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of like, I feel like when I first met my husband, I mean, we partied together. We were that age. That's, you know, he had had these kids kind of younger and he was kind of getting, he was still in school, but he was working full time. And he was, that was kind of what we did because that's what all of our friends were really doing. You know, we we didn't have responsibility in kids. And so we were going out and partying and, and, and we had a lot of fun. So there were a lot of like really fun times drinking and, and until it wasn't fun anymore. And, uh, I do think I bring up the stepkids because over the years I tried to fix everything myself and, and establish relationships with their mom. All the things that I tried to do because I needed to control it and, right. and, and be in charge of it and be God. And and that wasn't for me to do. And I think if I would have just, I mean, looking back now, right? But I think if I would have stayed back and just supported, like, my husband and his decisions instead of trying to make the excuses or fix everything mm-hmm. or 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 boast my husband up for what he really was and not this one act. I mean, there's right. all those things that kind of played in. So I, I think that's, that's part of the reason I bring that up is because there was a stress there that I didn't identify at the time because I had it. I got this. I'm strong. I'm like, you're not, that's one thing about me. Like probably the reason, part of the reason I'm sober is because you're not going to tell me I can't do something. Mm -hmm. I was raised to be, or to believe that I could even as a female. Um, so I, I just kind of always thought if I could work a little bit, I'll get in there a little bit more. I'll, I'm going to change the situation. This will benefit. I'll make them see. Yeah. Right. mm -hmm. No, I get it. So, I, I, I wish a long time ago I would have stopped and just given that to God and realized that he was in control because it was an interesting thing. I always say I had a relationship with God and I was, you know, in my, in my faith, I was a Christian and all the things, you right. know, and none of church scared me. And, and but I, I feel like, you know, the old saying, I think I was praying when I needed help, get me out of this, mm-hmm. make a good test grade, protect my kids, whatever. But 
yeah, we were kind of trucking along. And, you know, if we had any conflict, it was kind of always with the kids. But then we started having our own kids and just kind of dove right in. Um, we had our son. He is a senior now. But um, he was he was kind of, we said we were going to give ourselves a few years before we started any fertility. And three months later, I was pregnant. So oh, wow. It was kind of surprising, I mean, but it was a great time, and I'm glad now. I mean, we were married and all the things. I just kind of think I thought it was going to take me a while right. just because of some little female issues earlier on, and then we didn't get pregnant with the next one until six years later. Oh, wow. So we really thought like it was we gonna were be done. It. Yeah. Yeah, so it is interesting now. I say, like, I have a senior, but then I also have a sixth grader. So wow. I'll be the young mom for one kid and the old mom for the other. <laughs> like. <laughs> Anyway, but you know, and it was it was just all the stress and 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 the little bit of drinking. My husband still being at school at night, and I guess I thought I came home and I, I I thought I I was I needed to have a glass of wine, like even if I didn't like the stuff, right? That was uh, that was what it looked like to be a professional and come home at night or go to and the, unwind and right yeah. mm-hmm. relax. And then it was like, well, you got home late, and so I'll just stay up. Well, I'll have another one, and so there were habits clearly forming. I don't feel like at the time I was necessarily dependent on it, but I felt like it was part of my routine. And I might have put it in there as my own routine just because I thought that's what it was supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then let's see, we had, so we had, you know, we had our younger one and who's in sixth grade and we had him six years later. So both pregnancies didn't drink, nurse successfully, was thankful to God that he gave me that ability to just, absolutely Turn it cut. Off. yeah right I mean really and by the grace of God and I can say now like I mean in all God's honest truth there wasn't a time that there was a slip up or anything I mean I was sick for a lot of it yeah but but also just that was such a priority right and you know it just all started to become a little bit more and a little bit more and my no one really said anything but my husband would start saying things like that was too much last night or you know, I think you need to not start so early or you don't really need, let's not do the wine How tonight. was that received? You know, I th- I think I knew. So you don't ever want to be told what you already know. Right. And, and I think he was the only one really being honest with me and calling the shots and I didn't want to hear it because I know better and I'm not going to drink alcoholically mm-hmm. and I'm, I don't, you know, I would never do that to my kids and all this other stuff. And then it was getting to the point of like, okay, well, we're going to go to this wedding. Can you like maybe only drink beer knowing I don't really like it, but I'm going to get it down. So I'm going to talk all right. Right. And so, yes, I will do that. What you don't see is the hour before as I'm getting ready, what's hidden in my closet mm-hmm. and all the stuff I'm doing. It was always kind of the pre-party. Right. That was a bigger game for me than actually the event that I would go to. It was kind of like I'd get to the Christmas party where everybody else was having their first drink and I was already mm-hmm. like ready Happy. to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I came in already ready. So it just, you know, of course, looking back, I mean, it's so embarrassing just to think about all the little, the little things that maybe are still bigger in my mind. And right. other people have probably been like, oh yeah, it was that one party. And honestly, at the time, I think a lot of people just thought, oh, it might've just been that wedding just was the reception or it might have just been that one football game or that one homecoming because all the girls were in town or you know just whatever it was always like a good excuse but no one was really saying anything to me and didn't really and really to this day there's only really a couple that have ever come out and 
and looked at me and said, I'm worried about you. Oh, wow. Uh, and I think the distance, having parents 12 hours away, uh, having friends kind of all over the United States, you know, I mean, we all went to Baylor and then, mm-hmm. so yeah, when you got together with them once a year. That's what you do. They yeah. wouldn't have thought anything about that or a girls weekend or whatever. Right. But my husband was seeing more and more of it, you know, and, and maybe coming to the games and thinking what's in the cooler, what's mm-hmm. in the Yeti, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just thinking because a couple other moms were doing, well, I can do it too. Well, a couple other moms could drink at a baseball game and you may not have and be know. done with it. You right. No, I am right. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's just, it's there, there never was a stop. It always amazed. Like, I'd still say my husband is so weird. He's so non-alcoholic. It's just baffling. Yeah, mine too. So weird, right? Earthlings. And and I don't know if he carries part of that enabling thing, but how are you to know? Like, how is a person that was non-alcoholic ever to know, like, really what I was doing? And so, you know, he, he had started to come. I mean, I still laugh, like, the other night, like, to leave, like, half a beer at a restaurant. I'm like, it's just weird. That it is. And I'm like. You want to finish that, or like right. maybe find somebody who wants to? Yeah. And mm-hmm. Such a quitter, right? Mm-hmm. And God, what a waste of money. Well, see, and it's strange because even even eleven and a half years later, I still have that mindset. It's like, why if you're why why drink if you're not going to drink at all? What's the purpose? It's, What's the point? Well, and that's what I mean, me. That's, that's like, not normal. Right? And I'm like, <laughs> did you really like the taste of it that much? Because like, if I'm going in, and I'm kind of like that, a little extra for all things yeah, in my well, life. So mm-hmm. you know, it's like one bracelet. Why not fifteen? I know, right? More fun. <laughs> Uh, so I think that was like, and I still feel like to this day, now that I, I, I don't drink, it's kind of like, why would I even, did I really ever even like the taste of that stuff? Yeah. Well, I get yeah, what well, we didn't, most people I know didn't drink because they liked the taste. They drank yeah. for the effect. No, but yeah. And you so know. I'm forcing myself to like do these things that I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I will do this, but yeah. And so I think all the stresses of that and then, um, and then, you know, I hate to really use it, but I, I kind of feel like when my spree started was COVID. And I know everybody in America, and you know, we all we all laughed at the reels that we watched, right? Of like people walking in the neighborhood and going by the recycle. Right. And it's like clang, 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 and all these <laughs> bottles. It's like, yeah, you're working from home. But honestly, it was, I mean, my husband's job never changed. He was essential through all that. So on the night that everybody's life you know, when I feel like I became the stay-at-home mom. Yeah, I was going to say, because when you're business, you couldn't go Mm-mm. visit patients. And, I couldn't. And, and, yeah. that, and, and so there was, you know, overnight I kind of became this, okay, I'm still going to be full-time working. I'm going to see how teletherapy, and I'm a pediatric speech therapist, so I really focus, focus like, birth to three, birth to four. Oh, wow. So without super parent involvement, and even then, yeah. teletherapy – we were all pulling it. We just didn't know at the right. time, right? The whole world just sure. pulling at strings. How are we going to make this Find work? Way. Yeah. But yeah, overnight I felt like, okay, I still am going to have to supervise these four assistants, do these evaluations, do therapy, and be a stay-at-home mom and be a full-time chef and be a, a teacher, which I've proved that I would have absolutely been an, it would have been a total oh, injustice gosh. to my kids to be a yes. stay-at-home teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, if I wasn't getting one kid on one Zoom, I was trying to figure out how to get the other, and so I'm missing, it was, it was a hot, it was a, it was a hot mess. And I, and I'm not unique in the world. We all were a hot mess, but at the time, I was, like, the biggest hot mess, and it was all mm-hmm. about me, and no one understands, because I would feel like Greg would come home at the end of the day and look at me like, what the hell went on here today? Right. Did you do anything? And I'm mm-hmm. thinking, dude, no one bothered me till the two o'clock 
two o'clock call and the door's open, the dog's walking across my laptop and the kid, mama, mom, mom, mm. mama. And, and, you know, I mean, I, I don't like really like to exercise outside because it's hot. And if I'm running, you need to be running. Right. Something's chasing me. <laughs> exactly. So I probably wasn't doing enough of those things. Like all the weird people walking in my neighborhood, I probably needed to do more of that. And so it kind of invited this whole, like, just laid back, lazy, not put together self. I remember FaceTiming with my parents and my mom's very much like always put together every day. Right. And you're either going to get me put together or you're not. Like if I don't have a reason <laughs> to, I can be mistaken for something else on the street. But I didn't understand the point of getting ready at home. So it was a lot of just not caring about myself too. I think pajama pants were easy every day. Mm-hmm. No makeup. Don't know when I wash my, you know, just all the things that I know everybody was doing. But I think with me, I didn't have this routine of getting up, getting ready, getting people ready, and going off my day. And I do thrive a lot off of my children that right. I see and my patients. I mean, there's not for me, babies, small kids smiling. I mean, there's nothing more happy than doing, I mean, doing that and coming back to them. So that was, that was tough. And then of course it was like five o'clock became a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. and then no one knows it's four. No one will see if I have a glass of wine and then it's lunchtime. Why not have one while I'm making their lunch? And then, oh, this will just make my afternoon so much more fun. Right. And so I can say I never like went and treated ever drunk or anything like that but I guarantee you there were early mornings that I was struggle bus I mean pre-covid post-covid just Mm -hmm. like trying to get it out of my system yeah Yeah, like Mm -hmm. I think it was a little less makeup and a little less things that are just Courtney if you know me like they're just not for me to like not know I don't know some more dry shampoo when's the last time you did your hair and just not caring not working out not going to classes and just all the things, and it just got a little bit earlier and a little bit earlier, and then it's like, why not a mimosa? And then we were all kind of joking about it, but I think there was a lot of people that were were struggling. Inside. Well, you look at you look at that time frame, you know. And I had this conversation with with another another guest the other day. You uh-huh. know, <laughs> this 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 is is the epitome of our our society during that time that liquor stores were essential. They were essential. They were essential, but yeah. but the rooms of recovery, twelve step recovery, yeah. were not permitted to to meet. Right, you know, and it just there there were there were so many people relapsing, and it and die, just dying. Dying. I mean, yeah, it's it was just it boggled my mind. It boggled my mind. Well, and that you time. know, I wasn't attending meetings during that time clearly because I'm just almost at a year sober, and I can't imagine having to rely that if this would have been if my first year would have been of that you're relying on um zoom Mm. meetings and in recovery meetings with other people that are zoom i mean for me i'm so face to face like i don't even want to call you and do this i want to come down here and be i'm a human person i'm a person person i'm a people person um i thrive off my friends moving away at 17 and living so far away from home my friends are family, and mm-hmm. I've never felt like blood is a connector on who's really your family in your life. So I get so much out of just going into the rooms of recovery and right. being there. Even when I don't want to go, mm-hmm. I always know I'm there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I just think we had it, – it was it's bananas to me just to think about all the things that we were going through just as a, as a world. Mm-hmm. And But I think – I never got out of that once that's restarted, which it was going to eventually come. Like I am 
I am predisposed to be a person that drinks alcoholically. And I knew that and said that I wouldn't, but yet I was watching myself and was like, oh my God, I can't stop. And I knew I'd gotten to the point where I couldn't stop after. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. After COVID, I did. I, I knew I didn't stop, but I knew that I was at a place where I don't think I could have. And I kind of just kept going with it and thinking I was getting fancier about how I was hiding things mm-hmm. or doing things or going things. And this little app called 360 came out, Life 360, and everybody in my family could watch me all day oh. long. But I thought, since I did a lot of home health and going places, they never know where I'm at. Right. And of course they did. They were already hawkeyed down. My kids were being affected by it. Um, in fact, it's so silly to go back and think. I remember telling my husband, I am going to have alcohol in my house, and it's going to be responsible, and my kids are going to learn how to responsibly drink. Because growing up Southern Baptist, I was no, no. You know, mm-hmm. and and I don't even know where that was coming from, that you're going to have responsible drinking in your house. Like, right. I mean, it's it's just a justification. It's, it's just a yeah. crapshoot. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. So, yeah, I just, I just couldn't ever pull back out like once I got back out there with COVID I I had done home health for about 20 years and I was burnt out um I felt really mission driven at the beginning to kind of go in the trenches and I can say there's not probably a place in Waco I haven't been to see a kid right there's not a courtroom I haven't sat in there's rarely a story I haven't heard and the population I was serving um disability sometimes runs a parallel with socioeconomic status right so I wasn't going into fluffy, sweet homes, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, I was I was going in to see the kids, and you lose a little bit. You lose a little bit of your like. What's the point of getting dressed up today? What's right. the point of caring? They don't care. Look at where I'm going. I'm just gonna sweat or whatever, you know. So, I I, I could feel myself starting to not feel as like mission driven as I as I did at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I was tired. I mean, I was I've done it 20 years. I was tired. I have kids. I was hot. I was just all of it. And I'd done my externship in my clinical fellowship year in private practice in Dallas. And so I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And then kind of felt like I came back in, got engaged, moved back to Waco. And sorry to jump around, but, you know, was trying to, like, figure out where I wanted to go and kind of was so blessed to end up at an early intervention program, birth to three program that really was where I got the majority of my hands-on training. So I thought I'd take a a stint with the school district and – even though I said I never would, and yeah, <laughs> give me the face again. Yeah, that, yeah, that, did, like, oh. that didn't work out, right? Yeah, and all my yeah, friends are like, "Oh, yeah. court, think what about it." Yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, and it's not really any of these school districts' fault, but they 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 can't. Well, I'm sure it's just a completely different oh, environment, Lord. especially um, faculty wise, and the way that it's ran, and right, yeah. and just. Report, I mean, making your own schedule essentially for two decades plus, and then all of a sudden it's like you got to be on campus at this point. And mm-hmm. yeah, sorry, we told you we were going to give you four assistants. That's actually not help happening. So you're going to actually not just be on that one campus, you're going to be on a few. And, and it was all the things that I think people had warned me before getting into the school district. Right. But I was thinking my kids are older, summers you know, holidays off, like sure. this is great. And instead of thinking, Courtney, you've always had a flexible job to be wherever, why would you just be, told be where you so have to, right. tied down to mm-hmm. one place to have, yay, if micromanage. Yeah. So that didn't last long. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was actually, it was, 
I think during that time, and that was that was like within the last couple of years, just really started to like, I needed to take some time off. And if we go back um, to August two years ago, August 22nd, two years ago, my father-in-law was pilot in town, um, pilot at Farm Bureau at the time, died from COVID. Oh, wow. Um, and he was 67, I believe at the time, Dang. 68. And my mother-in-law and him had been together since the fourth grade. Oh, my goodness. So it was fast and we didn't see it coming and we didn't think it happened to us and all of a sudden I mean I remember because it was it was during COVID enough that no one could be in the hospital with him it was like one hour one person Mm -mm. one time a day Mm -mm. and the fluke about it is he had gone in with my mother-in-law for her like just annual well visit with the doctor but they on when they were off they kind of did everything together and he was a pilot so planes weren't really flying sure it was kind of a great semi-retirement job for him and I from what I understand like he he had been coughing but he had ridden horses with our children like a few days before and, right but, you know so allergies allergy, or, yeah, right how I was yesterday mm-hmm. on my 80,000 sneezes and went just allergies and some people get him worse and n- literally didn't even think when he went and then my I remember my mother-in-law calling saying we're going to the ER he had coughed in the room and she had heard him cough also you know his doctor um and take an x-ray of his lungs and was like you're 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 headed to the hospital oh wow so it was pneumonia but it, he tested positive for covid um and so did my mother-in-law neither one of them knowing that they had it Mm-mm. so the frustrating is he goes into the hospital and she can't even be there oh that's awful and so they were given one hour a day um until he passed and so either My husband could go or his sister, who happens to live across the street from us. And it's a joke with my friends because I always say, because they're 14 months apart, but they really are just, it's always been so cool to marry into a family that raised their kids kind of the same way as my brother and I were raised. I mean, we're 18 months apart, Mm -hmm. you know, they're 14 months apart and they really respect each other and all the crazy stuff that each one has done in the past. There's just so much forgiveness and, uh, and they still are. I mean, it's been amazing to watch them through this and how we are across the street from each other. It was not planned. Wow. Oh, we were there first. But no, it was, it was, they were in Hugh at first and then we, and it was just kind of this whole thing that worked out and it's been amazing. I mean, I take my nephew to school with me every morning. He oh, comes great. in the backyard and needs his, and I actually love it. And I was able to do our older two, take him to Mother's Day out and just all the mm-hmm. things that, all that flexibility allowed me with my job. So, uh, yeah. And so I remember, my husband running out of the house on that Sunday, and I was like, what were, you know, I ran out. I was like, I remember making in the kitchen, right, still cooking, because mm-hmm. that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. I made a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for the kids or something, and I just remember seeing him, who's a very unemotional, unreactive person, right, run out of the house. And I, like, ran after him, and he was getting in his truck, and I was like, what's happening? He goes, you know, he's fucking dying. Wow. And... And that was it. And so I'm on that Life 360 app again, and I'm watching him because he went by the hospital to get my sister because he they had told the doctor nothing changes and nothing happens. My mother-in-law, I mean, you know, their mom, my mother-in-law, yeah. will be up here. We are, And so they hauled it out to her house, got her, and I'm, I don't know how. That was like an angel flight or something, and got back. And I just remember being on the bed with all four of the grandchildren and um, on FaceTime, and my brother-in-law wasn't home yet. His parents lived, you know, he was tending to them, and mm-hmm. they were, you know, older. All of our parents are retired and older, and 
And I just remember holding that and seeing my father-in-law and they, I've got these four kids and I'm like, we just said goodbye mm. on FaceTime. It's crazy. And I remember calling my brother-in-law and he was already running up the street and I ran out the front door and just kind of grabbed him. We just hugged each other and he goes, everything just changed. Wow. And it did. And I bring that up because I'm a crier, <laughs> but I bring that up because one of the biggest things I deal with is the, the hardest week of Greg's life, the hardest time of his life, and he couldn't even depend on me to be sober during that. So when he should be 100% grieving right. and worrying about his mom and his sister and his kids and, and how close our kids are to all their grandparents, and he's worried about me. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents are in Missouri. They're scared to death, COVID. You can't really call on them to come down and can you, can you help me? Can you watch them? Right. And I think he struggles with some of that, but they didn't know what to do. I mean, the nation was scared. That population, that generation was scared. No, terrified. And they were older, and, and what do you do? We're still going to have a memorial for him, and we knew he wanted to be cremated and all things, but it was like no visitation, no funeral. It was just kind of a memorial, maybe a visitation mm -hmm. on a Friday night. And I just remember Greg asking me, please, if nothing else, like, can you just stay sober? Oh, wow. For that day. No, I get it. You can do whatever when you get home. So I did. But physically, because I was so dependent, I sweat through. The, I mean, anybody that came to the memorial can tell you I was a mess. I mean, I think I had finally kind of stopped my whole watching my kids and my babies and my husband and scared. And then I kind of let myself go, mm -hmm. like, emotionally because I was feeling because I hadn't drank that day. And I had all these, just the depression and all the stuff, the, the fear, anxiety. Just the fear. Yeah. And, you know, all the things that I would drink to numb even in 24 hours start mm -hmm. coming out, you're anxious and you're sick physically mm -hmm. and you're sweating and you're hot and it's August. And, and I, I, I couldn't get it together. You know, I just remember sitting over there thinking, God, Courtney, like cool down, get it together. I mean, I'd have these sweat things that were just unbelievable at the mm -hmm. time. I, I never cooled down. My body was just emitting booze. And so I, I live with a lot of that. Um, and, you know, I, I don't want to forget about it. It reminds me of where I came from. But there's there's a lot of shame and, and guilt that I will feel for that part of his life forever. Um, and so we kind of fast forward about a year and a half. <clears throat> I, I kind of had my moment that my, my, my bottom, I will call it. I, I had tried in the spring, so I guess a year ago last spring. Mm -hmm. I got this, right? I'm at home. I not been in the school I needed to take some time off for myself and just figure out like what I wanted to do what I wanted to do with my career and took a couple of months off and just was like all this focus on getting healthy doing things around the house and 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 I was fine like everything was fine for a couple months and then it was just as simple as going out to lunch with somebody and then ordering a glass of wine. And I'm like, it's one glass of wine. And it wasn't even a wine I really like. And it was a red wine, which to me was just a heavy, why would you waste your time? That's okay. <laughs> like, what's this going to do? It's like not a big deal. And then we know how that goes, mm -hmm. you know. And and then it, it, was, it was probably from that point throughout that summer so full throttle that I can remember being at the beach walking up a seawall thinking, I'm going to die. Like, I didn't have enough damn energy to get up three steps. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have a heart attack. I felt like I could see my chest. Mm-hmm. I'd already started to see it. Like my high school kid, he's not home. I mean, he doesn't want to come home. I don't blame him. Why would he have wanted to come home? But I'm seeing less of him and less of his friends. And we've always had the house that was kind of home plate. It's right. close to the school. The food and drinks are always there. We don't care. Open door. Whoever wants to stay. I was kind of raised like that, and sure. just everybody always was at our house. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think like. I was starting to notice little things like, oh, well, he's not home. Well, his friends aren't around very much. And and then I've got this younger guy, I mean, this younger one that just, I'm hoping his age through all of this. Like, I don't remember a ton about my third and fourth grade years, fifth right. grade years. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't remember a lot of it. Now, I think my high school senior will. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully it'll play a memory in his life someday when he gets to the age where he's drinking and all that kind of stuff. But... I, I still, it still wasn't enough to make me stop. You know, I think I was, my husband was on the couch just because he didn't want to go to bed with the passed out mess every night. And we kind of just knew the routine. You know, I looked forward to baseball or whatever practice in the afternoon because that was two hours at home because my husband always went to all those. I mean, that was two hours at home for me to just right. off to the races. So I do remember that beginning of August about last year thinking like that just that time at the beach, like sweating and just how are you not able to walk up the beach and go up three steps of seawall? And I mean, sitting down, like couldn't get my breath and just kind of looking at my husband, like this almost disgust, really like, what are you doing? And so did you equate that at that time, that feeling to the alcohol or do you, because a lot I of us I didn't. see a lot of us go to the intraweb and Dr. M, uh, WebMD. Oh, yes. And, be, and oh, my goodness. I had I had there was like fourteen hundred different diseases. That yeah. I had. Yeah. I even thought probably MS at one point. I yes. had a brain scan for that because, yes. oh, the lesions were there. I had a brain tumor trying to convince mm. me I just had a headache. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Happened and it's not really I'm not sick because mm-hmm. of drinking last night. That's I am ridiculous. sick because I am exhausted exhausted yes mm-hmm. girl I got a playbook mm-hmm. so yeah I mean even at that time like looking back now but I've had to hear other people's stories and I've had to like hear them go oh no so-and-so's heart did stop or I did have a heart attack or this is why you don't detox from right. alcohol oh, on your own hundred percent like Say that again Lord mm-hmm. Almighty do not do it alone it is I, it is by God's grace I'm alive because I did end up detoxing by myself oh wow yeah didn't know at the time how dangerous it was. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, and, and, you know, even crazier that summer, I had a really good friend that I had no idea, no idea, neighbor, our kids are good friends, no idea that she was an alcoholic. Really? That's how good we were at hiding our stuff. Oh, wow. I'm just going to go turn in early. Mm-hmm. Don't need to finish the game. Need to go do, never knew. Mm. Like, never knew. Went to her 40th birthday party, never knew. Like, right, it's her 40th. And till the day that I saw the ambulance at her house because she had had a seizure in her kitchen. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's and was like, what's what a seizure? Mm-hmm. What do you mean? And and her, she ended up in ICU um, on a vent, as far as I know, intubated. And, mm-hmm. I mean, her heart was just about done. Wow. And, that's, and I was literally making food and taking food down and visiting her in the hospital and taking food to her family and paper products and all this stuff. And didn't stop drinking. Like, what is wrong with you that you can see one of your best friends dying? 
visit them in the hospital and hit the fireball shots you mm-hmm. got in your car as you're leaving. Mm-hmm. Well, because it's not going to happen to you. It's not this. That's it, no. It's not. And it's just. And if if you're worth keeping at that at that point, Courtney, you you probably secretly had a little bit of judgment, like, oh, she just couldn't. Oh, oh right. I've got That's this, unfortunate. It's real yeah. unfortunate mm-hmm. how I have this together. And mm-hmm. you don't, girl. You can right. still do this. Just calm it down a little bit. Right. Fast forward a month, I'm at I'm at a beach and can't get up the wall. Mm-hmm. I can't get up a seawall mm-hmm. and I'm holding on and I'm crying and I'm sweating and I can't breathe and it doesn't it doesn't even connect. You're next. Yep. So that weekend scared me um, enough that I, I I slowed down and then all of a sudden that was it and so that was the spree until September 11th of last year and I just remember my my of course Greg's job he, he had turned into essentially the patriarch of the family mm-hmm. he is the patriarch of our of his family and we have horses and she lives and, and so I just watched all of a sudden him take on these responsibilities of all these things his dad did and I he had gone over to his dad's house on this day and the day before this is on a Saturday and I got, I said that might call my sobriety date that Sunday. And I remember that Saturday him taking my keys and everything and even asking and and just everything. Like if you're going to be home all day, that's fine, but there's no way for you to go get alcohol to do that. You know, he had my keys. That's the worst. Well, come on now. I'll ride the damn lawnmower. Well, there is a thing (laughs) called favor. Right. And Uber Eats and 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 whatever, Mm -hmm. all this amazing stuff. Cause I do remember COVID. Hello. Mm -hmm. That got so popular. Leave it at my door. Mm -hmm. You don't even have to see me to the point that I'm not even embarrassed. You're coming by my house. That's exactly right. Cause you ain't going to see me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. As embarrassing as it could be, I got to switch out liquor stores because Mm -hmm. I don't want that one over here on Bosky to think I got a problem. I'll go to the one over in Robinson. (laughs) Like spread the word. Come on. I know they know this face. They'll know. So yeah. So I remember them all getting home and and when you get to our house, like you walk in our utility room and our bedrooms to the right. So Mm. if you're coming through the garage, you're walking by our bedroom. I mean, it's a horrible setup for a house, but you look to the right. Right. Because that's the room to Mm -hmm. see where the dogs are, to see where your mom's at. Mm -hmm. And I just remember I was laying in a bed and I had sheets. They were clean, but they weren't on the bed. They were just sitting at the end of the bed in a crumpled pile. And I was passed out enough that, like, there was no movement of any of my limbs. Like, I was bleh. Right. But I was coherent enough to, like, I could see. And I was, like, facing that door. And I watched every one of them walk in and look to the right and keep walking. And they didn't care. Mm. And I was like, they don't give a shit. It would be easier for me to be dead. Because they've already grieved the loss of me. Right. They lost me a long time ago. Mm. And I don't know if it was a spiritual moment, my, my bottom, my aha moment. But I literally just remember, and I'll cry, I just remember laying in bed thinking, I'm done. I'm done. I will do whatever it takes. And I was at the point of surrender. Wow. And I said, I'll do whatever it takes. And um, so I called that neighbor that was in recovery now and had her come up. And I mean, I looked like hell. Like, God. And so I started that night to detox. And it was a rough couple days. But we had, I, I, my family, just, we needed, you go to rehab. That's what you do. That makes you better. And then you come back. So we... You know, I think my parents and my neighbor, who's just a dear friend of mine in recovery now, and, and my 
husband, we all kind of tried to find places. And I didn't want to go to this one because it was too far away. Like, right. I don't know what I was thinking. Like, mm-hmm. I was going to have this outpatient, right? Or I'm going to do that. And, and I remember talking to my brother, and he was like, it's not going to work unless you go and commit. You, you can't do outpatient. Wow, that, that's and, and, an insight. And, and that's one thing about David. He He's very, you know, we're close enough that he's going to tell me, like, if my parents told me that, it's like, I don't want to hear it. Right. David tells me, and I go, oh, crap. Yeah. And he's younger, by mm-hmm. the way. But I just remember him saying, I can I can hear that in, in, my, in my head. I still hear it. Like, you're going to have to get this. Um, it's not even, your mind's not even going to get clear for 30 to 60 days, Court. Like, you're going to have to. And he's got degrees in psychology and just, you know, being up in, he's high up in the mortuary field and military and all these things that I feel like he just really almost served as a chaplain in some, in, in his friends' lives. So mm-hmm. I got all this advice and I detoxed on my own and I called to get an intake appointment and they said, well, Wednesday. And I'm thinking, Jesus help me. It's Sunday. But I was that done. I was that, I was that done that I was like, whatever it takes. And I called Mm -hmm. a friend of mine. That's a therapist who wasn't my therapist at the time, but she is now. And I said, I need to see you. And I went in and just started crying. And I thank God. She's a therapist that is versed in, 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 in a 12 step recovery Mm -hmm. program. Mm -hmm. And she's like, go sis. You got it. And I and, and I turned my and my parents came in town to keep the kids and, and I thought I was that important I couldn't go because what about the bills and the groceries and this and the vat? That's a disease trying to keep you. Oh, I so, yeah. so hang on, let's mm-hmm. pause. Take go me back. back to that Saturday. When when you had when everybody walked by you, but you know, came in the garage and walked by you and and you, you had that moment. Did you share that with anybody in that moment? I mean, what 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 did you do after you had that oh shit, I'm I'm done with this moment? I mean, did, did I you cried. share it with your husband? I, did I, you I, call I, him I in the did. room? I did. I I kind of got myself together and I got up and I just started my tears and my crying because I'm a crier. I mean, I cry like every day. It's mm-hmm. not like that's don't, okay. Don't panic yep. if I'm crying. I'll cry if I'm happy, if I'm sad, yep. if it's a downy commercial. God gave us tears when our words are not sufficient. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of went and did my my drill, right? What do you do? I get up. I'm so sorry I'm not doing this again. And they were, like, kind of tired of hearing that uh, cry no. wolf somewhere else. Yeah. So they're like, whatever, Mom. Mm-hmm. Whatever, Court. And then the next day came, and, you know, everything's coming out of my system. Mm-hmm. Everything's coming out. And my tears, and we're we're on the phone, and I'm having to be really transparent with my parents who knew, who of course they did, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And we're just waiting for me to say something and not getting in my way of getting sober by mm-hmm. trying to do something. And they just kind of said, "We'll do whatever we need to do." And you know, even from a financial standpoint, let's not worry about this. And and I say that because I had every opportunity to go right. And that's not the case. And I'm not saying rehab is not what fixed me. It, it was a couple weeks of me getting away because I thought there wasn't even a 12-step program going on where I was. It mm-hmm. was clearly a retreat to sleep, do yoga, whatever we needed to do, right. eat a lot. A separation. Yeah, mm-hmm. sit on the back patio, be in this beautiful house. And But I, I say that because I think, and I've said this before, people really get obsessed with this whole button-down, tucked-in how we look and, and and how my family was able to take care of everything. And there are just people that straight up don't have the support to do it. And sure. I say that all the time. 
besides God, I would not be would not be sober without my family. Right. Because they stayed through all of it mm-hmm. and support and did and friends showed up and sister in laws and took kids to school. And guess what? I wasn't that important. Everybody lived, every bill got paid, every mouth got fed, and every butt got wiped, and I wasn't a part of it. Right. So turns out Greg, my husband who I'm promoting all these years and controlling, if I would have sat back, he has it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I go to this, but so yeah, they I wasn't received at this point, they didn't want to hear any of my words. My family wanted to see action. Sure. And so I had just started, I just joined a private practice, was kind of the kicker of this. Oh, man. Like, got into the dream. Still there. Mm-hmm. St- like, dream job, loving what I'm doing. But I just decided to go back into private practice. And so that's a difference in being, like, out on HR, out on leave, or having a salary. I mean, it was like you work, you get paid. Right. This is my clients. These are my patients. So – of course, have to go in, and I don't even know what I told him. I just need to take I, – I need to go somewhere. I'm going – I need a couple of weeks off. And I think I was still grieving the loss of Greg's dad but didn't feel like I had a place to do that because you need to be taking care of your kids and your husband. They're right. grieving. So I think there's a part of that that I hadn't really grieved through, and, and I think everybody kind of knew that, so they let me – I mean, it was no questions asked. See you in two weeks. Oh, that's good. I offered to give patients away. They stuck through it. And said, no, we'll see you when you get back. You know, like, I hope everything's okay. And just left it at that. And, you know, it's funny. I I checked into rehab sober. And even in admission, like, they're like, well, can you blow again? Because we didn't say anything. I was like, no, I really, because I I didn't know you could drink until the time you get there. I mean, a girl pulled up in a limo dressed to her nines. And she had, I mean, that was her last party. And I'm like, well, shit. Shit. But I really was like that done that I didn't even want. I, I couldn't have even thought about it but I needed every bit of that blow and and you know it wasn't I never got the DWIs I never got the card I mean thank god but I didn't even have like anything like that it was just this is the low I needed Mm -hmm. I needed to see my pride and joy that I probably idled with my kids and my husband a little bit look at me and just be like you're I've never had anybody tell me I was not worthy of something and their look made me feel unworthy so I got there and it was like the whole thing, kind of like a retreat, you know. And there's so many stories from that. I could be there all day. I mean, mm-hmm. from the first night saying, hell no, I'm not staying there, to the first person I meet is this gloriful, I mean, she's a drag queen, and she's just everything, and she was extra. My husband's like, oh, hell no, we're leaving. So <laughs> I actually, I was, I thankfully love people, and I learned from everybody in there. At the end of the day, we sure. were all the same right. person with the same disease. And I remember asking my husband to leave when I was in, in taking admission. I was like, you got to go because Greg doesn't cry. And, I, and, and his, he did when his dad died, and he did that day. Mm. And, I, and he couldn't, I think, and he'll say to this day, it's probably one of the hardest things he's ever done in his life was is driving me, me up there. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, of course, I did this whole, you've got to come get me. You've got to come get me. And I guess that night he called my parents. He'd call friend of ours, friends that are in, like, in the field of that stuff and and they were like you gotta leave her but i know greg and i woke up the next morning at 6 30 and i mean i just remember and i met a girl that i still communicate with um she was only there for one night she was dual diagnosis but she was there god put her there for that one night Mm -hmm. and i remember just like it was just the craziest i'd never seen a day like the day i checked in ever and i and 
never once when I was there, just the day I was checking, people were leaving, somebody wasn't getting their certain meds, the chef was in a fight with someone that was mouthy, there was a lot of younger kids, and I never saw a day like that, but you walk into what you think is going to be calm, peaceful, and serene location to rest and retreat, and you're like, nope. Right. Uh, so I woke up, and I just remember that girl thinking, saying, you just have to think of it. They're just We're all just a bunch of characters. And I don't know why she was a freelance editor, and it just made sense in my mind, because we all are characters, right? right? Like, mm-hmm. we all have our own def- defects, and we can calm out on each other. So I just remember waking up, like, just eyeball straight set up in bed at like 6 20 we didn't even have phone privileges i don't know what i was thinking and i just remember running to the front of the house and just grabbing the phone and calling greg and he was halfway there oh wow so my biggest enabler i was gonna say the, <laughs> the enabler was coming to rescue i, I have one too right still to this day and i, I worship the ground he walks on but boy yes. he, he almost enabled me to death and, 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 and I have learned that now in sobriety where, where if I am sponsoring someone or somebody has approached me that I, I want to go in there and save them and I can't save mm-hmm. them. So, and, and I don't want to get in there. My sponsor has been very clear to tell me, you will get in the way. Right. Don't get in the way of them. They need to maybe find their bottom. Well, that day, I just remember calling him and saying, turn around. And he was like, no. And I was like, I got to stay here just for a couple of weeks, but I got to stay here. And I remember getting in bed the next night and thinking, Courtney, you've just left your job, your friends, your family, your husband, your kids. This is you time. And, and as selfish as that sounds. Good for you. This wow. is about you. Why would you leave all these things and just come here and not take lollygag yeah. around, mm-hmm. right? So I took it seriously. And I bring the rehab up because I, I somebody had given my neighbor had given me a, a big book like a, a book to read and I didn't know what to do with it and and you know there was no like wall steps that yeah maybe in the dining room but there was no like organized meetings because right. COVID had happened so people that would bring meetings into treatment centers or rehab centers AA meetings or whatever right. the meeting was mm-hmm. they weren't doing those anymore churches weren't even bringing their little groups in because of COVID and, and it hadn't really started back so. I didn't even know what a recovery program was. Wow. And I'd been there for two weeks and was going to be there a Wednesday, two weeks later, leave on a Wednesday. Well, my husband happened to have this huge work, like kind of international meeting that Waco was hosting. And I was like, just come get me Saturday morning or Friday night. And then it was like, oh, my son has a football game. Well, just come after that. And he's like, don't you want to come home? And I was like, yes. But I said, I just feel like it's a couple extra days. What's it going to matter? Right. I still need you to be doing what you have to do. Don't. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad I did because that night, that um, that Thursday night, some guys that I, I still talk with them, but there was three guys there that I felt very much in common with, and they kind of felt like brothers to me. And mm-hmm. and there was like four girls in the whole place. You know how the ratio is like 22 guys, right. four girls. So right. um, they were like, "Do you guys want to have like a meeting?" Like they'd all been in and out of the rooms and stuff and knew, and I didn't know what it was. And so we had this this organized meeting that they did, and and it was it was a it was a recovery meeting, and I just remember thinking, this is awesome. Because of all the therapists I'd met with and people and small groups, and I couldn't really relate, and then these guys were just sharing, and there's stories, and people are just talking, and I'm like, oh. And I didn't know what it was, but I remember going back to my room thinking, I want to do that again. So the next day, they had another one, but had I left on that Wednesday, I don't know that I would have ever experienced, experienced a meeting. Wow. And, it, you know, and so... So we had another one, and then, you know, 
I got home and I, you know, didn't have the, the parade and the party that I was supposed to have when I got home and the <laughs> balloons. I mean, it was like, get Everybody back. holding a sign in the yard. Really? Where was everybody? <laughs> so I'm butthurt for like two days. And then that, so this is on a Saturday afternoon. And the next day on a Sunday, there was a meeting in town and my roommate was like, or my roommate, my like one of my best friends that was in recovery was like, hey, come on with me. And it was a weird meeting and it was like a birthday meeting. And we were in like a sanctuary because someone was using the other room. And so it was spread out and it felt weird. And I was like, mm. well, that's not the meeting I went to. I like this intimate close and so she was like, well, just keep coming back. Let's go to another one. Let's go to another one. And so uh, I ended up stumbling into one downtown because mm-hmm. I do a lot of work at some private schools down, downtown and, and went to this new meeting, and I related mm. immediately. And I just happened to walk in on a day where you were there mm-hmm. and a couple other women, and I just felt like I could relate people's stories. I was hearing things. I was hearing things out of people that weren't even, quote, like me, that were me. Right. And well, was, and I was talking to, I had, uh, Natasha is going to air the uh, week before you. She, uh, you probably know mm-hmm. Natasha. Um, and um, we, we figured out, it's one of those things where, you know, when you go into uh, the uh, a room, a 12-step program, and and, and, and it's it's your time, right, to, to, to get sober, <laughs> to get clean, mm-hmm. you find that you belong that one word, it just belong, belong mm-hmm. where, you know, um, at least most of the people I know never had that sense of belonging, yeah. just like, and, and you described it yourself mm-hmm. in your story where you, you always had to be or do or act or, you know, there was, whether it was self-imposed, self-imposed expectations or not, there is a it, it we feel like we have to be something other than what we I are know. and for the first time cuz i felt the same mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. it it's like it, it belonging where where if you if you really pay attention when you're in the rooms pay attention to the chests that are rising because the deep breaths that that i, I never i never i i never breathed before i went into the rooms i mean that that cleansing breath yeah. were just it's Every, indescribable yeah. That's and it's audible in the room. That's you can right. hear people go, <sighs> that is belonging. That is, that is, I'm here. I care what you think, but I, m- me being here is not predicated on what you think. So I'm just, I'm here, guts and all, and I feel accepted. That is belonging. And it's so, it's so all-encompassing and forgiving mm. and non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. And you just finally go... It doesn't matter. Nobody actually gives a shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I shouldn't really give a shit what other people think. I about didn't want to leave. I didn't no. want to leave because yeah. when it was over and I and I had a I had a sponsor person. Um, I, I was like, "Are you gonna take me home with you?" Right, right. What do I do now? Because where am I supposed to go? Right. Where am I supposed to go? Because nowhere else on this planet have I been able to go and and feel this. Mm-hmm. And of course, alcoholically, I want more. Right. And oh, when, of course. And, she, and she's like, "Well, here's a clue. Come back tomorrow at the same time." Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, shit." But I gotta wait all between. that time. I know, because my husband sure ain't gonna. Tra- so yeah, man, it's that it's that belonging. It really was it's crazy. And then, you know, it was. I just started trekking once I got in there. Got a sponsor. Started doing the work, and I literally wanted all of it mm-hmm. as much as I could get. 
you want to do 90 meetings in 90 days, I'm at 120. Mm-hmm. Literally could go to two or three or four a day. And I would chime in sometimes to like the web that would have a meeting going somewhere in the world 24 hours a day. You can get on a meeting. Mm-hmm. And, and I tell people that. I like them in person, but man, if it's 10 o'clock at night and that's if it's all you two can o'clock do. in yeah. the morning and you mm-hmm. just need to get on, get on, mm-hmm. listen or see. And it was just, so I did a lot of that. And I mean, it was pretty intense and I, you know, it was kind of like, I always wanted to, I've always felt like I was made to have a story, like do something bigger than I was doing. Oh, maybe it's pediatric home health and you know, I'm the one that's in the mission. I'm going to save these children. And I kind of thought that was my story. Well, then I got Nam. like, this is my story, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Jamming along. Everything's going fine. And my brother dies mm-hmm. on March 2nd. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, we still don't know. We know he was fine at 9 o'clock that morning when he talked to my dad. They all had relocated his job and everything exactly, almost exactly a year ago. My parents had joined them, who had only been there about nine months. They've always been trying to retire to Waco, where we live. And mm-hmm. we had a little shift in our housing market, so everything's kind of sure. different. And they'd worked yeah. too long to just settle on a house. But my sister-in-law ends up finding them, like what I consider their perfect retirement place and home. And God planted them there with these neighbors and this community and this mm-hmm. church two miles down the road from them. And we were like, whoa, that's close. But this is cool. Brother, My brother had been deployed twice. He lived in California for all these years up until that point. So I thought, oh, how neat to have mm-hmm. David there, my dad and him and all the games and all the things they do. And I just, my dad had called on the 1st of March and said, yeah, or text, David's in the hospital, don't really know what happened. He called me, he said he was kind of having some chest pains and, Probably his heart, but I told him to call 911, but I followed the ambulance here. And mm-hmm. so then I get a report, it's not his heart. Because thinking the ambulance would have like nitroglycerin well, yeah. or whatever, you know, um, wasn't his heart. And then later in the afternoon, my mom's like, oh, these are his levels. And I'm like, that's not right. She's like, well, this is what the doctor, and I was like, mom, that's, those aren't right. Like he would have like cancer or blood disease or like those aren't right. Like I'm not a doctor. Right. I've been in the medical field long enough to read out CBC. I know that's not right. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, it's just, it's, she's just got my nephew and she's probably, and she said, well, April and Clayton are on their way up here. She's like, Corny, he is like, I can hear him screaming in the waiting room. No idea. No idea. I think it's his pancreas maybe. And then not his heart, but then his blood pressure's like, no questions. I mean, no answers to anything. And they had taken my nephew, my parents took my nephew back to their house that night, and then they were going to switch out. April was going to, my sister-in-law was going to stay there for a while. They were going to switch out with him, and then um, I remember talking to my dad on the phone that night at like 10.30, just wanted to check on everybody and sure. how everything's going, and my dad's a very, very religious Christian person, but he's not one of those that's like, can we hold hands and pray? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're going to pray about that. And I just remember I was in bed, and, and, and I was talking, and he, me, Mom's reading a book to Clayton, and I'm getting ready. We're going to meet April at the hospital at 7 in the morning. And before we got off the phone, he said, you need to say a prayer for your brother tonight. And I said, well, I always pray for you guys. He's like, yeah. He goes, he's in a lot of pain. And I remember hanging up the phone. I looked at my husband, and I said, that was weird. He goes, what? And I was like, like my, for my dad to say, I just remember my dad saying, he's in a lot, like, you need to pray. It was just weird how he said it. It's like. When the phone rang at 4 o'clock in the morning, I knew. Mm. I knew. Um, I don't remember a lot of that. I mean, I apparently, like, 
cleaned out my entire pajama drawer but didn't bring any underwear. I mean, it was bananas. Like, I think, Greg, we were throwing stuff. I mean, I drove. I don't. I know I stopped for a soda apparently somewhere to go to the bathroom. And I I, I remember thinking my sponsor wakes up early because who's up at 4.30 in the morning? Mm -hmm. But I don't remember the driving. I remember my husband saying, you're going to hit. Because he had to say, I mean, my kids are asleep. Like, he couldn't. He didn't even know. I mean, I don't think we knew what was going on, really, just total shock. I just remember spinning in circles. And he's like, I remember him saying, you're going to hit some some rain. You need to be careful. And I don't I don't even know how I got there. It was a total angel flight. I remember talking to a couple people, but I stayed on the phone with my sponsor until the last possible minute that she really could. And, uh, and I got to the hospital, and they held his body, and I – And it changed our lives. And parents just ought not bury their kids. And my story changed that week. And what I thought I was placed on this earth to do changed that week. And um, I crawled into a meeting at, a, at the end of the day in, in like the Spring Woodlands area. And I crawled in, and it was a candlelight meeting. Thank God I didn't even mm. know they had those. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the meeting, you know, I kind of – kind of the back and been quiet and, and at the end of the meeting they said um they turned like the ugly lights on at the bar but the you know, the real lights went on and mm -hmm. I mean I just a mess right like I had had apparently my husband thrown some like tennis shoes in the back of my bag but I mean I was in essentially pajamas and god knows what I look like and I just remembering like I just my brother just died like I don't know I I mean I've drank this I, these are things I drank through right, right? And, and it never crossed my mind and I went into fight or flight, and my brother's funeral was on the day I got my six-month chip. Oh, and mm. the women at this meeting, these two women wrote my number down, and, you know, they text me during the week, and they're praying for me. And so his visitation was two, two hours before his funeral, and it was kind of set up in a rotunda of a church. And he was, you know, extremely military, so looked a little, and he was high up in the funeral business. So it felt a little secret service and lots of flags, lots of people. Mm. I'm exhausted. I'm worried about my parents and my kids. And, and I, still wondering what the hell happened. Don't know what happened, right? Like we think we think like a pulmonary embolism, but then there was word of sepsis. And what about these pancreas levels? And, and there's so much tied up in legal stuff. It's not going to bring him back, but he has a child. So we need to understand like well, if yeah. there was something. Genetic. Because um, he had a 10-year-old little boy. Mm. so I was sitting in the family room before we just I just needed a minute and I was sitting there and my husband came in and goes there's somebody here to see you and the people had driven in from Waco so like every once in a while I'd be like oh so-and-so's here your friend's here whatever and I said who is it and he goes Courtney I don't know and I just remember he was standing there and I was kind of walking and he moved his body to the right and I saw these two women and they were the two women from the meeting oh wow that I had crawled into. So when you want to say a program that is literally all over the world, it's the beauty of it. In my darkest hour, that's where I wanted to go mm -hmm. at six months. And that's who you needed to see. And she, they said, they gave me a hug. And I was like, what are y'all? I mean, just fell over. I said, what are y'all doing here? And they're like, we know today's your sixth month. And we will be here for the rest of the day. You will not see us. We will be in the back. But we are here until if you need us for anything. That's amazing. And they prayed with me, and I didn't feel like I even needed to include them or introduce them. It was like these angels. And mm -hmm. what's interesting is I've stayed in touch with them 
And one of them, their daughter just got accepted to Baylor Grad School, lives oh, in our neighborhood. Oh, wow. That's and amazing. And she's come to our home meeting before. Oh, wow. So I got my chip, and I know that David would have been so proud of that on mm. his, you know, I mean, I didn't get my chip that day, but that was my six, and I got it when I got back. But I don't think there's, there's, it's no coincidence to me that the date of his, that 3-11-23, the date of his memorial and funeral mm-hmm. was my six month day and my story changed big time so my family's been through a lot of grief and I haven't drank through any of it and I don't and I don't know that a year ago if you could have ever even told me that was possible I would have believed mm-hmm. you I mean and I did it and I think that day is when my daily amends to my parents started because they were able to depend on the daughter that they'd raised. Right. There was no worry. There was no fear. There was no scared. There was no, I was there for them and my sister-in-law. And I was crazy. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it was just my brother and I. And, and I still have days that I just can't go there. But, like, it was insane. And if I didn't feel like God had given me a story before, I feel like he did with that. And um, I think it also, it, 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 David's death is remembered. It will always be remembered and in, in through those times. And we're grieving as a family, and things are tough. And they were all in this weekend for senior football night and weekend. Mm. And, and it's tough. I mean, his presence isn't there. Um, I don't think parents ought not bury their own children. Oh, man. And yeah. I will say that forever. And it's hard and selfish. Uh, I know where I know where David is, and I know it's not goodbye, and it's see you later. It's tough. It's hard. We don't understand what happened. Life's short, and if nothing, it just it motivated me to go, and I, and I've just been going ever since. So I think I think the way that events have fallen out, there's been so much hope in my story even through the sadness of his. And I finally feel like things have just come into place. But it's it's scary and sad to think about going into, like, your parents' later years and stuff. And mm-hmm. it was always us. We were always going to make decisions. We were always going to do it. We never argued. We never fought. You know, it was going to be us together. So it's daunting a little bit. But I, I very much take that day by day, too. Mm-hmm. Like Oh, sure. I mean, I don't, I don't go any further than that. But uh, like I said, God willing, then, I'll go on Monday. Um, I remember getting asked to speak and thinking, what do I have to offer it? Like seven months, eight months. But I do. I've had a big year. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's things about it I wish I would never have had to go through. And, and there's pieces of it that I'm not going to waste. Like, I'm not going to waste this tragedy and not get out there and share the story with somebody. Because, like, in my darkest hour, I could still be grateful. Right. And I was able, and if you've, Hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm looking in this military casket in front of me, and it's the last song, and I remember holding on to my parents and thinking, how do you get through this without a God? Because mm. it's the only way I got through it. And it, I started to feel my relationship changing with God before that, but from that day forward, it was like, I got it. I see you. And I was seeing him already work, but I was able to hold my parents up to get through it, to stay sober, and to stay grateful. And I know that sounds weird, but in that moment, I was so grateful. 
in through the sadness. I was it's so almost grateful. like an out of body experience. Almost like looking at yourself, going, "Okay, wait, 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 wait. I, I no, here's no. I should be in the fetal position over there in the corner. This is what's happening. What? Why? I'm not the adult in the room. Mm-mm. No, no, don't, don't, no, don't rely no. on me and I mean, to be know, the adult. I, there's so many of like fourth dimensions. Like I'm walking down, and and I mean, even walking in with my parents or, or looking or holding my parents up at the end, I'm like, "What is this? Is not this doesn't happen? Like you." This happens to other people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that tragedy was so bad. That happens in other people's family. That's not my family. Mm-hmm. We had our hard moment, right? They had the alcoholic daughter. We were on our way out. Mm-hmm. That was our moment. We got through that as a family. Right. That wasn't my moment. Mm. So we're trucking along. And, um, I mean, I'm, I'm day by day. And I don't take, there's not a time I feel like I take credit for any of this. Um, I think it's weird when people hear me say sometimes that I'm grateful, but if you get it, you get it, Mm -hmm. that you know how you can still be grateful. But yeah, you're right. It's been out of body. There's still times that catch me and and there's still times. It's just interesting. Even people that I've met in the rooms that have in the last year gone through the same thing I I have gone through Mm -hmm. losing a brother, right? Having something family tragedy, dealing with something with kids, being able to go to others and, and learn how to love through, love my kids back Mm -hmm. and get their love back. So it's 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 been a year i just feel like i've had a big year but i'm also a big proponent i get more sometimes out of the person that's their first day sober than i want i do the one that's got oh absolutely absolutely so i was clearly reminded at one point that it's not all about me and i just keep saying yes and i just keep going and i just i just pray to god that there'll be one person that could relate to it but in my darkest hour that i could still stay sober Mm -hmm. without a thought about it without just a fleeting moment of how would I have been a year ago? Well, and I love, I love what you said. You just, you can't, don't waste a hurt. Mm -hmm. Don't waste a hurt. You know, um, it says in, in a, in a big, big book, Mm -hmm. you know, that um, God will make all things work for the good, you know, and, and there, there will, and it looks like you're already arriving. It took me a little bit longer to come to an appreciation for all of the, all of the terrible things that happened in Mm -hmm. my life that where I can now look back and go, Okay, I, I I would go through that again. To, and I to promise be I you that this is not staged by any means, that I just use this as a bookmark, but I write, I write, I write, Good. I write. You, I'm mm-hmm. a writer, I always have been. But I wrote it down one time, and I just kind of stuck it in with notes and stuff, and it says, you can't let the worst thing that happened to you stop you. If you do, it's nobody's fault but yours. Mm-hmm. And so I can't let David. He he wouldn't want that of an excuse. He's well, proud and I of think now. I think what the program teaches us is if we can hand those things over and we can we can um, to the to the the you know we we say higher power to the God of our understanding. If yeah. we can if we can hand those things over for Him to use for good, we reap the benefits yeah. of those every single time. So I'm so grateful for you being here. Oh. I'm, I'm so grateful so that you're that sober. you asked me. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. I love how out loud you live with this. And this platform that you've just run with has touched lives. And I know people are listening and listening from other people listening. And it's and I just think it's it's just gives God the glory through all this. So. Well, there's just so many of us still suffering in shame. And, mm-hmm. and I just, I refuse. I refuse to, to be sorry for for who I am today, because I belong, I belong. Yeah, you know, um, I belong in my skin, and I and I'm, I'm I too am so grateful. I will so. say there was a, there was a time the other day that I told somebody that I was proud to be an alcoholic, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's hard and that's yeah. weird. 
but I'm so proud to be, I'm, I'm grateful to be an alcoholic. And well, I get keep, what that means. Keep on telling your story, sister. I will. Thanks People will benefit. My, my pleasure. Thank you again. Cindy Prazel with Five Star Painting. If you're in need of painting service, please look them up. Five Star Painting. Thank you for joining the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast. Thanks for listening to Purpose Driven Sobriety. Keep coming back. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.